Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am so thrilled that you're with us here today on this Wednesday. Every week on the Happy Hour, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. It's really a conversation that we invite you to join us with, so I am super glad that you're here. Before we get to our guest today, Jen, I want to thank one of our sponsors for today's show, and that is Lily Jade. Lily Jade is a mom-created company, which makes me super happy. A mom saw a problem, and then she figured out a way to fix it. When Megan Wood's oldest daughter, Caroline, was born, Megan found herself at odds with the endless parade of unstylish, impractical diaper bags. Pretty, but exorbitantly priced, and not functional at all. Affordable, but disposable. Functional, but ugly. She got so frustrated that she found herself carrying a soft-sided cooler. Uh, Finally, in frustration, she sketched every mom's dream, and that was the perfect diaper bag. That became Lily Jade. Lily Jade's bags are made with 100% premium leather. You can literally smell it the minute you open the box. And I know that because I have one. Many of the styles also convert to backpacks. And it's a backpack when you want your hands free or it's a handbag when you don't. Every Lily Jade bag comes with a removable, washable, multi-pocket insert. If you've ever had a bottle spill in your bag, you understand why this is so important. That multi-pocket insert, it's really like 14 pockets, guys. Your life can finally achieve some organization. And you can hand the insert with baby's things off to daycare or grandma. And then you have a beautiful handbag for you. I personally have a Lily Jade bag and I love it. I don't need a diaper bag because I'm clearly not in the need of a diaper bag. But I use it as my computer bag and I love it. Check out Lily Jade over my website. You can find out all the great stuff they've got going on. Guys, today you're listening to episode number 111, 111. We have made 111 episodes, plus more if you count the half hours on Friday. Today, my guest is Jen Brecker, and Jen is an author. She has a new book out called Everything is Possible, and she's a motivational speaker, and she's an aerialist. And don't worry, I asked her what this was in case you're wondering what an aerialist is. She has a great story of overcoming great obstacles, including the fact that she was born without legs and placed for adoption after birth. You're going to love her story of courage and faith. If you want to send us a message about anything from the show, we'd love to hear from you. I love to hear your thoughts over on Twitter. I'm at Jamie underscore Ivy and Jen is at Jen Bricker one. Guys, last week I told you about applying for the Christmas show. It's happening. The Christmas show applications are coming in and I'm so excited. If you want to know more about this, go to jamieivy.com. There's a blog post up that tells you all about how you can apply, what kind of people we're looking for. This is a super great advertising opportunity for a company who wants to get the amazing products that they're making in front of all of the happy hour listeners. I cannot wait to see all of the ones that are coming in. We already have so many um, applications coming in and we're going to choose 10 and create a wonderful Christmas show, um, which I haven't told you yet, but my guest host is going to be Rachel Hollis. You guys love Rachel. I love Rachel. And she's going to come on the show with me. And it's so much fun. Okay. One last thing before we get to my conversation. Finally, I have a request from you. Um, If you love the show, um, if you listen every Wednesday, I was just in California this week at an event at Hessel Church in Sebastopol, like beautiful Northern California. And there were so many people there that listened to the show. And when I meet them, it literally makes my heart explode. Um, If you love the show and you listen and you've never left a review, would you do me that favor and do that this week? Even if you don't listen through iTunes, if you could just go to iTunes and leave a review, it's not just to build me up and make me feel like the show is awesome. No, it's because leaving those reviews actually helps iTunes put the show in front of more people. And so we want a lot of people to be here with us at the happy hour. I've made it easy for you to remember how to do it. Go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes, leave a review, a nice rating, a nice review. I would love it. It would really make my heart swell with love for you. 
Um, Okay, guys, enough from me and all of the things I've had to tell you. Here is my conversation with Jen. Hey, Jen. Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. Thank you. Are you in LA? I am. Yeah. It's early. Yeah, it's 8 a.m. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. <laughs> I'm not so bad. On, I'm on the summer schedule, so 8 a.m. does seem really early. Oh, um, but yeah, you know, it's good. We start back to school on Monday, so everything changes. Oh, yeah. So where are you at? We're in Austin. I'm in Austin. Oh, Austin, I love Texas. Austin. Yeah. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? Oh my gosh! I seriously, if there's any, I've said this. If there's any other place I would live full time, it would be Austin. Like I could do like a cabin in Nashville, uh-huh. part, like half the year, right. but full time, I really love Austin. Tell me what you love about it. Well, I mean, okay, it this a lot of people from LA move there because it is so much like LA, right? I yeah. mean, uh-huh. it's not like that's any big surprise. But I love that it's a foodie town. Mm-hmm. I love that it's a fitness town. I love the big fitness culture. I love the uh, creative and the art scene. I love that it's cheaper than LA. A lot. And, Right. What I, the, the downfall is the humidity. That's the only and yeah. the mosquitoes. Yeah. So for, yeah. Do you not have mosquitoes in L.A.? No, not really. Like you can sit outside all day and it's just like you're all night. You don't have bugs and stuff like that. Oh, man. I know mosquitoes. And we have a creek right behind our house. And so when it's like wa- it's just like a breeding ground. Oh, yeah, that's rough. And I'm trying to find all kinds of like home remedies and so I saw the other day on Pinterest that you can take your old coffee grounds and dry them out and then sprinkle them around the yard. Well, oh. well, I know, Jen, let's not get too excited because this is how things work with me is I come up <laughs> with this idea and then I look around and there's like all these paper towels in my kitchen with coffee grounds all over them. And I decided I'm not doing it. I threw it all away. I didn't even do it. So I'm still <laughs> on the lookout for some like good options for a mosquito repellent. But anyhow, enough about mosquitoes. Welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. So Thank glad you, to have you. And I um, have been reading about you since I found out that you were going to be coming on and watching you online and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just um, thoroughly um, am so excited about chatting. Well, thank so you. excited. Yes. I'm excited too. Okay. So first of all, you, you live in LA, but that's not where you're from. You're from a very small town. Am I right yes. about this? Where are you from? I'm from Southern Illinois on the Indiana border. Like, Cornfields and cows. Legit. That's where I'm from. <laughs> like small, small, small town. Small, 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 small town. Yes, exactly. So, so you've lived about, have you lived as a grown adult in a small, small town? Uh, I left when I was 19. Okay. Well, still kind of. I mean, so yes. would you, can you ever imagine yourself living small town again? I, I don't think so. I, yeah. if, if anything, maybe here and there, like I go and visit my family all the time and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but I just don't think I can. I don't think I can anymore. And I knew that when I was, I mean, I knew that when I was in high school, Yeah, I knew I just wasn't happy in a small town. It wasn't for me and it never really had been, but I'm so grateful for the roots that I have and the head on my shoulders mm-hmm. that I have mm-hmm. and the sense of community and all the great things that come from growing up there. And so it's yeah. like, when I'm thinking about having kids, you know, at some point, how do I find that balance? Because I don't want to live in a small town anymore, but I want my kids to have those values. It's so true. How do you do that? Because I hear what you're saying. Do any of your brothers live there still? They all live there. Oh my I'm gosh, the only, you're the yeah. only one. <laughs> I'm the only one that's gone. So that's another thing too. I mean, you know, you think about that as when you're single and looking to get married and have kids and you're like, man, 
when it push comes to shove, what, what's the value, you know, like the life that you love and you thrive in. And really, as you said, you feel more at home in like a bigger city or you think about what you grew up with. That's so hard. It is. And you know, when I go home to see my family, it's so there's, it's so nice. Like there are a lot of things that it's like, I can breathe. I can just not have the angst or the anxiety. Not that I necessarily have that here all the time, but, but I it's think, LA. but it's LA. Right. And I just, I think it's beyond that. It's just LA. Cause I'm where I live is so like, there's a beautiful neighborhood behind me and there's a school and it's everyone's outside. Everyone has a dog. Everyone goes to the park and you know, it's not like the stereotype, you know, and there's tons of creative artists all around and it's just, it's alive though. You can feel it. It's alive. And that I thrive off of that. And I think that that's okay. You know, like that's okay. We recently, um, for people to listen, know this, but we recently moved out. I call it a little bit the country. Like we, our address is still Austin, but we have a couple of acres. Okay. And we used to live on the East side of Austin, which is like, you know, you could touch the house next to you and we have four, (laughs) we have four kids. And so for us, it's like we almost have the best of both worlds, if that makes sense. Nice. Like we have this like breathing space, but we still are in Austin, you know, whenever we need to be. And it's great. Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're saying completely. That's nice. That yeah. is kind of the best of both worlds. It I, really I, is. That's, that's probably what I'll end up doing whenever I get married and have kids is just kind of have some sort of a happy medium, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that yeah. sounds great. That's awesome. Okay. So you are an aerial artist and I just want you to know that I've never met anybody that is like an acrobat aerial artist can you tell me what this means in your day-to-day life oh that's cool that I'm the first you are that's super cool so okay so an acrobat I mean wait Jen where else would I met one I mean it doesn't seem like there's it's (laughs) not just like a common job am I right I guess not I forget because you know, it is common. I've been doing it for nine years. So and you're surrounded by other, you know, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I exactly. But I, I think, I think it's a bit more common in LA and New York, but anywhere in between, you're right. I don't think it is even still that common. So, so an acrobat is, is typically like any kind of tumbling portion. Like, uh, when I did, I had a trampoline act that I did with my old partner, Nate, and he and I, that's what we did on tour with Britney Spears. And so, okay, stop real quick. Mm-hmm. You just dropped a bomb on us. We need to know about this. You were on tour with Britney Spears, and in the middle of her show, she had an acrobatic act. Right. So awesome. We, it was pretty wild. I'm not gonna lie. I toured with her in 2009 in North America and Australia, and it was just. And we were featured act, so you know that means that when we're performing, nothing else is happening, and it was just. So the pressure was absolutely insane. I had only been in the industry. A little over a year, maybe a year and a half at this point, a year and a half at this point. And it was just like, these things don't happen Mm. that quickly in your life. I mean, it was totally meant to be. It was totally God. And, you know, highest grossing tour in the world, a featured act. And up until that point, people were so afraid of hiring me as a performer because it had never been done. Mm -hmm. No one like me had ever been in the industry. And they were so afraid of what people would would think like well you know i like it but uh-huh, i right. mean i don't know how everyone's gonna react i'm like so basically you're saying that you're freaking out about it i got it right <laughs> right which you know what we haven't even told anyone why people might be hesitant about hiring you i mean we just jumped in 
But, True. I mean, but tell it, you were born without any legs. I was, yeah. I was born without legs, just a, a birth defect. Is there and, a medical, it's, did I read in your book a medical term? No. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. No. Yeah, no medical term, just a birth defect. Maybe there is a medical term and I don't even know it. But I don't I don't think so because it's not a hereditary thing or, you know, it just doesn't work like that. And so my legs basically just stopped growing. And so the the amazing part about that, though, which I kind of just had that revelation as I got older, is how perfect my body physically was made because the proportions, like I don't have one thigh longer than the other. I have probably about six six inches below my hips and I have mm-hmm. femur and hip bone and all that. So it moves just like your, your leg would. It's just the upper thigh. Without the perfect proportion, I wouldn't have been able to, to tumble the way I do and do all these acrobatic things because it wouldn't have, it would have been uneven. Right. And so it's, isn't that interesting? No, that's, that's not interesting. That's crazy. And that's just like, you're looking like, God, you, you are like the perfecter. Like this is what he did for you. That's right. He did. It was, everything was created, you know, exactly how it's supposed to be. And it's just, it's just so it's mind blowing. And so, you know, here I am, on this tour, featured act, sometimes we had 20,000 people in-house screaming their faces off. Jen, that's and crazy. It was wild. I mean, I, I sometimes I'm still like, is that really a right. part of my life? Did I really I mean, do that? Did I really? Did you thrive off that energy or were you like a basket case every night before you went on? The first couple shows, I was pretty like, wow, this is intense. This is a lot of pressure, um, you know, because – they weren't going to, they were, they're not afraid to fire someone. And also it was the very beginning of my career. People were already nervous about me mm-hmm. performing. I had no room for error. Right. I couldn't say, cause I couldn't be doing that kind of thing. And this was also like a very highly technical act. When I say trampoline, I'm not meaning a backyard trampoline. This is a 12 by 14, $10,000 trampoline that sends you really, really high in the air. And if you make one wrong move, one degree off, you're going to fly right off the trampoline. And get, so, like, seriously injured. I giggled, and, but that's not funny at all. I don't know why I yeah. giggled. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. I mean, get injured and then also done my career. Get fired, yeah. Totally done, yes. right? Yeah. So there was a ton of pressure in that area. But once I got past, like, the first five or ten shows, I was just thriving mm-hmm. like crazy. I mean, it was like my heart was out of my chest and I was like, man, I am alive. Like this is living. This is insane. And how amazing most people in their acrobatic career, even as an aerialist as well, which I'll explain what that is. Um, this is like a highlight of a career that maybe you get once in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And this happened at the beginning of my career. And you started with it. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's amazing. But you know, it's funny how God does that because that's exactly what I needed when I needed it to catapult my career. Because after that, no one's asking what people are going to exactly. think. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So were yeah. people saying things to you or was it just to like you know, the people that were working for you, um, agents and stuff? Or were they literally like, hey, we're nervous about this? Well, I would hear some of it, you know, but um, majority of it, they told my partner. Mm-hmm. And which is also irritating. I'm like, right. okay, can you not like. I'm a big girl. I I'm a big girl. Also, I'm going to hear what you say. Mm-hmm. Also, not surprised. And yeah. I was never fa- – the funny thing is I was never phased by it. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, once you see it, you'll get it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just knew. I was just – I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And I I understand now 
a bit more how huge that is. I mean, that's that's groundbreaking, and that mm-hmm. sounds so dramatic, but like literally, no one had. I don't think anyone still has ever done be, being an aerialist or an acrobat without legs, and especially in this kind of uh, level and field and right. stuff. So, you know, I get the hesitation. I get why people were like, wow, this is so different, so far outside of anything I've ever known. And I need to remind myself of that all the time. And I make it a point to recently talk about in interviews so that, you know, it reminds me of how far I've come. Because mm. now it's like, it's not even like people are asking me all over the world to perform and I've performed all over the world. So it's like, it's just funny how it's not even a second. It's not even a thing anymore. Not even. And it was thing. so big then. I think that so is so interesting. I think that all of us, whoever, whatever, whatever you're listening, you're thinking about, if you've ever done something and it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, like performing at a Britney Spears concert, but anything that was like you were hesitant at first or it was nervous or it was your first time. And then you continue doing that. I mean, on a very small schedule, this is, this is not anywhere compared to being an aerialist. But when I started my podcast, I was like, I don't know, is this going to work? And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I just do this every day. You know what I mean? You just, yes. you get in your groove and you figure it out. And so I love hearing that. But you didn't just one day wake up and be, you know, uh, an air, an aerial. How do I say it? Aerialist. Aerialist. And, yeah, and, and let me explain. Time, that is a lot to say, aerialist. Aerialist, yeah. Okay, tell me what it is. And yeah, and so an aerialist is basically um, on any apparatus hanging in the air. So you have uh, a circle, which a hoop, a lot of times um, people call it a hoop, but it's called lira, a lira, where you have the silk fabric that hangs from the ceiling. Oh, I like know, in yeah. Cir- uh-huh. Yep, like in Cirque du Soleil, things like that. So I primarily, when I do duo acts, I... Um, have done a lot of silks a lot. And then when I do my solo stuff, which is majority of really what I do now, it's sil- a silk hammock. So instead of two separate pieces of fabric, it's one piece of silk fabric connected. And it, it just allows a bit more unique things. You can be in a cocoon. You can have you can just do different things when it's connected versus separate. And neither one is better. It's just for my solo. Mm-hmm. I prefer doing the hammock. So any different apparatus, you're called an aerialist. and Got that. It. Yeah, and that's what I've been primarily doing as a solo artist because it's just so artistic and beautiful, and I just, oh, I love it. So how many hours a day do you work out on your act and work with your, with, with, with what you have coming up? Well, I don't typically, I don't work out every day as an aerialist. I work out every day in a regular gym with my mm-hmm. trainer. Mm-hmm. And so because just to keep my body lean, keep it looking nice, keep it, you know, <laughs> Yes. Ready, ready for that bikini, yes. you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, and then when I have something like I have, I have something coming up where I'm performing next week, and um, I'll I'll go into the gym. The gym is also far in LA, you know, mm-hmm. so there's traffic. Yeah, the one that I go to. So if it was closer, I would be in there much more yeah. often. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll go a couple days before and run through my act a couple times, and then the day of I do a rehearsal. And run through it a couple times as well. So you know, it's it's in my body. It's it's just you know, it's I'm used to it. And I have this interesting genetics for a female, and I cannot shake muscle. Like I can't get rid of it. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting, and has been like a huge. Well, it's been a huge insecurity as well. Like I just what have, do you mean? It's been, what do you tell me more? Like why is this an insecurity? Well, growing up, it was just like I had these muscles, I had these muscular arms, and okay. it just, you know, sometimes they don't fit right in jacket, and I'm just like, everyone else's arms are small, and th- I, I found that to be feminine. 
Uh-huh. And I didn't want to look masculine. And I mean, now it's like everyone looks at me like I'm cross-eyed because they're like, wait, what? Because now, you know, strong is sexy. Mm-hmm. And so, right. It's yes. so real, right? And so everyone thinks I'm nuts and here I am trying to get rid of it. Everyone else is trying to to have it. And the reason I said that is because every aerial, every female aerialist I know has to train almost every day to maintain the muscle. And so for me, I limit my training so that I don't bulk up. That is interesting. It is very interesting. And it's not just because I don't have legs. It's not because I use a chair. It's not because I walk with my arms. Mm-hmm. It, I really thought about that and noticed that. And then I saw a picture of me when I was, I think, six years old. I was in this tiny pink bikini and Uh I'm flexing (laughs) with my brother and I'm like, all the muscle. You're like, it was always there. It was always there. And I was like, oh, well, so then it's genetics. There you go. There it is. That's hilarious. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, so, but you have not, you've been doing gymnastics um, forever. Um, Yes. And I want to hear about, this is just the craziest story ever, but you've been doing gymnastics forever. Also, we should mention that you were also adopted at birth. Yes. And I am an adopted mom. Three of my four kids came oh, to me through adoption. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. And so um, I'm drawn to your story in that way, for sure. Two of my kids are adopted internationally from Haiti and then one domestic uh, from right here in Texas. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I was drawn to your story immediately with um, with your the fact that you were adopted as an infant. Um, and so you grew up and your family and your parents. And one thing that I... Anytime I see any kind of story about anyone that has um, any form of disability and they're doing just amazing things, they're just like chasing their dreams and nothing's holding them back. A lot of them say the same thing that I've heard you say is that my parents just told me that I could do it and they never, there was nothing that I couldn't do. Is that true for your family? Absolutely. I mean, there's not literally one time that I can remember 
them ever discouraging me from doing something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sitting here, I want to play basketball and softball and volleyball. Oh, and power tumbling. Mm-hmm. And I want to go roller skating. You know, and all these, all these things, meanwhile, I don't have legs, mm-hmm. didn't occur to me, didn't phase me. And also, I did all of these sports with able-bodied athletes. I right. didn't use my chair. I didn't use prosthetics because those things were actually for, for myself. They hindered me. They didn't help me. And also, in my brain, I literally did not – I just – I was like, why would I be in a handicapped sport? Like, I don't even – that doesn't make – it just completely, as a kid, didn't make sense to me because I didn't grow up around people who were disabled I wasn't treated disabled at home mm-hmm. or at school. So, you know, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. <laughs> past day one of kindergarten, nobody cares I don't have legs anymore. Exactly. And on, right? Yeah. Right. So, and I was always this kind of spitfire personality and outgoing and popular in school. And then I was strong and I was an athlete and I was excelling and tumbling. And so it's just funny. I didn't even realize people would think that I was bullied or had a, a rough childhood until I got older and started doing more interviews and things. And I was, that in and of itself was such a foreign concept to me. Right. Like, what do you, why would you think that I was, what are you talking about? Like, I just, I was so far removed from that kind of a world. And I think God, obviously, I don't think I know, he did that on purpose. Like he shielded me and my mind during those those years where I was growing up and, and where I grew up and the people that I grew up with who still, by the way, are unbelievably supportive. Mm. And, you know, that's the point of the whole book is to highlight all these people in my life who have just, they are the reason why I am the way I am. Yeah. They've shaped and molded me, not just because of myself, because I'm so awesome. It's like, no, ev- so many people have poured into me and I want to highlight them in the book and show people this is why I am the way I am. Well, and I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that God puts us exactly where we need to be. And I even think when we were talking about just your small town life, and I'm like, what a blessing that was. And even the way that you're saying, I just feel more at home and like the busy and the and the going and the and a city life. And that is so true. But God placed you in that time and season for a purpose. And like, because yes. your family was just what you needed. Um, so you were, when did you find out? Cause this is for, as an adoptive mom, we always talk about my kid's adoption around our home and we have an open adoption with my son's domestic adoption, birth mom and all that kind of stuff. Do you remember when you found out that you were adopted? I was really young. I mean, I just, there's not a time that I were, I don't remember ever a time not knowing mm-hmm. that I wasn't adopted. So I had to be probably, I mean, four or five years old Yeah. and the way my mom just uh, explained it was she said that a nice lady held me in her tummy until she could come and get me. <laughs> and, and as a kid, you know, apparently that just You're that like, made okay. sense to me. Mm-hmm. Literally, my they're like, you were just like, okay. And then I just moved on. That's totally the same. People ask me all the time, like, how do we tell our kids? And I'm like, I don't remember when I told them. We've just always talked about it. It's yeah. just always been a fact. Yeah. Yes. I think that's the best policy. And they were so open and honest about everything because my biological parents came from Romania and so my parents told me that I always knew I was always actually so proud of the fact that I was Romanian Mm -hmm. and I was always so tan and I had these dark eyes and black hair and I never looked like really anyone else in middle of nowhere no diversity you know America and so um 
And then, and they were like, listen, probably a good reason that you were put up for adoption was because you didn't have legs, but you just have to understand they were from a different country. They have a different mindset. And bottom line, we prayed for you. You're an answered prayer. We wanted you and you're a miracle. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter at the end of the day, really why they gave you up. It's because it was supposed to be that way. That's amazing. So I did not realize that you're full Romanian. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know the story and I want us to talk about it. So also your parents also found out who your birth parents actually were. Um, and then you have a whole story of that unfolding. Can we chat about that? Because yeah. once again, Jen, crazy thing. I know. This is, in case you didn't notice, it's a pattern in my life. I'm sure that you're like, now you're like, it's not that crazy anymore. It's just completely normal. But for us chatting about it for the first time, and when I was reading your story, I'm like, this is just crazy. It just keeps getting crazier. So tell us about when mm-hmm. your mom actually found out who your um, biological parents were. Right. So... I was always really, I loved gymnastics ever since I was little. We would watch it on TV. And then the Olympic times were coming up in the 96 Olympics. And, um, and you know, so everyone, we love Olympics. We love gymnastics. And so we were all watching it. And I loved Dominique Mochianu. Mm-hmm. She was part of the 96 Olympic team. Which, how old was she there? Because she looked about 12. Yeah, I think she was about, I think she was 13. She was a baby. Yeah, totally yeah. a baby. Yeah. I remember those Olympics as well. I was, yep. I would have been, I was just graduating high school is when that happened. Yeah. Okay. Cause it was in Atlanta. Remember that? Yes, it yes. was. Yeah. Yep. It was on home turf. Yes. And, um, I was about seven years old watching her and, you know, I just, I knew she was Romanian and I knew I was Romanian and, you know, as a seven year old, you're just bonding on these, these sure, kind of yeah. very upfront, obvious type of things. And she was, you know, she, like you said, she was a baby, so she was small and I was also small. I'm. I am a pretty, I have a pretty petite frame, not small just because I don't have legs, but my frame is actually mm-hmm. petite. And so I saw that, she, you know, she was just small. She was smaller than the other ones because she was so young. She was a baby. Yes. She was a baby. <laughs> and so it was cool for me to see that. And then I was like, and we kind of, we look alike too. I mean, this is crazy. And I just, so just now, you know, just being drawn to her and, and to the sport itself. And so my parents, well, I'll forward and then I'll backtrack. So right before I turned 16, I had this, my best friend, she was adopted too. And she had just found out. In small town, Illinois? Actually, several people that I grew up with in small town, Illinois were adopted. Wow. I don't know why that surprises me so much. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? It's kind of, it is um, like, wow, I actually have several people who were adopted in my life. That's That's really cool. Me growing up, I I always say, I don't remember, no, and again, when I'm 38 and so, when I was younger, I f- people didn't talk about it very much is what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. I don't remember knowing anyone that was adopted. That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. That's another thing I want to talk about in a minute is kind of the, uh, the stigma around adoption, which I'm sure it'll be good to talk about that with you. Since yeah. Adopted. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so right before you know, I turned 16, my best friend, she finds out what her biological last name is. And I'm like, man, that's so cool that you found out. That's mm-hmm. wow. And just this thought came into my head, which was totally God placing it in my head because I, it was like, I wonder if there's anything my my mom knows about my biological family. I wonder if she knows what my biological last name is. And just honestly, the fact that I would even have, the reason I know God placed that thought in my head is because up until that point, I had no interest in meeting my biological family. You're I just, just like, didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't. I mean, there was nothing against it. I just didn't care. I was like, oh, it's fine. I don't need to 
you know? And on top of that, like I said, my parents were open and honest from the beginning. So why on earth would I think that she kept something from you? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it doesn't, it makes no sense. So it was just supposed to be that way. Go home, ask her. And then she responds and she says, yes. And I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> Mom. What you, how does that, what do you mean? Like, you can't know what? Yeah. You, you don't know. I'm like, compl- like my, you know, information like you overload. you never expected her to say yes. It, no, of yeah. course not. Yeah. I mean, no way. And then she's like, <laughs> we should wait till your dad gets home. And I was oh like, my gosh. Uh, I was like, have you met your daughter? Like, do you know? How- We're not waiting. Are right. you? That's funny. You're going to like, what? You're not going to tell me this and then tell me to wait. How funny is that? I have no patience anyway. Yeah. So um, she goes out and, and gets all this, all these papers and documents and kind of tosses it on the table. And she's like, you're never going to believe this, but your biological last name is Mochianu. Did you know immediately? Uh, yep. Immediately. Exactly. Beeline right to the point. I knew what it meant. And then to come to find out how she discovered that is just, I'm sitting here, you know, we're all watching the Olympics. Like I said, back to what I was saying, I'm seven years old. They panned the audience. Dominique was uh, competing. Uh-huh. They panned the audience and they showed Dimitri and Camelia Mochianu. And something, a light bulb goes off in my mom's head. And she's like, man, that those names sound familiar. That's interesting. And she just goes and gets these adoption papers from seven years ago. And she starts doing the math and she sees Camelia, Dimitri, <gasps> Ocianu, Romanian, sibling six years older. No. Dominique was six years older. Yep. And my mom right there in the living room was like, holy crap. My daughter, she's my looking up to this person. Gosh. And that's her sister. Yeah. So your mom knew when she was competing. Yep. She, they, and of course told my dad, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but then, you know, Dominique went through the public emancipation. Mm-hmm. It was really ugly with her parents mm-hmm. and all of that. And she was still, even Which at that I had time, forgotten about until I started researching you. And that was crazy as well. Forgot about right. that. Yeah. Yep. I, I remember, I mean, I remember watching it and she was still only 17 at the time that happened. So, I mean, all these things, my parents just knew they're like, Jen's too young. Yeah, and it's a also, lot. yeah. It's and a also lot. Dominique is young and it was supposed to be a closed adoption. Another miracle. Oh, the it was not worker, supposed to be on there. No, I was legally not even supposed to know until I was 18. And the social worker gave my parents all of the legal documents of the information of my biological parents that was supposed to be blacked out. Jen. Yeah. Okay. So your, your dad comes home, they sit you down and tell you, Oh no, she didn't wait. I told you I'm not waiting. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Mom tells you, she tells me make all the connections. Yeah. I mean, and then what, this is literally someone that you've looked up to. She's a um, gymnast. You're a gym. You're like a, a state champion tumbler. I mean, all of these things, and then what? Are you like, I want to meet her, or is it just something you're like, I just want to put this in my heart and save it forever? No, no. I immediately was like, I want to meet her, and then I go on her website, and I see that I have a younger sister, too, and they grew up together, and Christina, my younger sister, looks exactly like me, and we're, we look like twins. I mean, it's just crazy and amazing, so now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have two sisters. I'm pretty sure they have no idea that I exist, and I want to meet them, you know? And so my uncle 
it was a private investigator. Of course. Of course. I mean, why, why wouldn't <laughs> of course he, he was, Jen. Of course he was, right? <laughs> yeah, so convenient. And so, um, so I had him contact my biological parents so that way, you know, it mm-hmm. could be done about in a proper professional kind of way. And I expected them to deny it and be like, I don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't deny it. But then after, like, they had a phone conversation. But after the phone conversation, they didn't respond anymore to my uncle. And so it was clear They didn't want any kind of communication. Exactly, exactly. So I was like, okay, so now that was my first failed attempt. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to regroup and then contact Dominique. You know, she's over 18 and Mm -hmm. I can contact her. So... That was my second plan, and I saw that she was on this this tour, this rock and roll gymnastics tour, and that they were going to be stopping in a place about two hours from me. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. I'm going to go there, somehow find her, somehow get past security. Right. <laughs> you How know old I mean? are you at this time? I was 17. And your mom's like, let's do this? Like she's oh, yeah. like trying to get you behind security as well? They were all on okay. board. Okay. Uh, my parents were supportive. But so right bef- two weeks before I was going to – the event and right before I was going to buy the tickets, I got an email from Dominique's website saying that unfortunately due to a last minute injury, she had to pull out and she wasn't going to be in the, in the competition anymore. And so that was a big sink in the heart. That was a big discouragement because I really thought so close. I was so close. And so, you know, I just, I, it was, yeah, it sucked to be honest. And Mm -hmm. so Um, then I graduated high school and I got an internship at Disney world in Orlando and moved at 19 years old. And I never moved back. You know, I was Mm -hmm. just like, here I am and I'm going to Florida. And so that first year I was just inundated with exciting things and people and boys from all over the world and and food and the beach. You got out of Southern Illinois quickly. It's real quick. the world. (laughs) I sure did. I sure did. And um, so that first year, you know, I was just kind of distracted by life. And then the end of 2007, I started dreaming about meeting my biological family. And it's all I thought about. Like, it was just on my mind all the time. And so I knew that was God um, just prompting my heart to, Mm -hmm. to, to try this for the, in my head, the third and final shot. And so... I asked my parents to copy all the legal documents, send them to me. I copied pictures from when I was a kid till, you know, that age I was at, which was 20 by this time. And, you know, because the resemblance was insane. Yeah. And then I put together a carefully written letter and sent it out on a hope and a prayer and just waited for the longest two weeks of my life. And then at the end of the two weeks, I was really like having to come to terms with the fact that maybe they aren't going to respond. Maybe I'm not going to get a letter. It won't be a happy ending. And I have to be okay with that because I did everything I could. You know, I put all the cards on the table and that's all you can do. And so I got a letter, a card in the mail, actually, opened it up. I didn't pay attention to who it was from, opened it up and the letter fell out and I saw Dominic's signature and I was just like, oh my gosh, gosh. my heart stopped. And then I was a little hesitant to open the letter because, I mean, well, again, what if it wasn't positive? What if it wasn't happy? And so I finally just was like, whatever. It's like a Band-Aid moment. I just got to open it, read it, and it's going to be what it's going to be, you know? Yeah. And that's what I did. And then I got to the middle of the letter, and she said, you're about to be an auntie. Oh. Yep. And so I knew when I read that that, you know, they had accepted me as yeah. their sister. Yeah. 
And, and it was amazing, you know. And then we met, all three of us met in Ohio. I flew to Ohio. And Christina lives in Texas, so she flew to Ohio to where Dominique lives. And um, we met in May of 2008, all three okay. of us. Yep. So, I mean, you've been living this relationship now for eight years. Yes. Yep. That's amazing. Do you feel as though it was like just kind of overnight, your you're just like sibling family just kind of doubled almost? Yeah. I mean, in a way, it really did. It's it. It was surreal when we met, but also natural in in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. of just how strong our DNA is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we just have very dominant genes. Y'all do. Yes. Yeah. We, we look alike, we sound alike. I mean, it's just, um, it's quite crazy. And so, and then since then it's, it's just been, you know, it's a journey and it's, you have to, uh, we were raised in totally different households. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, I'm coming in not only as the outsider anyway, but also from a family that just operates totally different than right. how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And then also I grew up with boys and now I have sisters. Right. So <laughs> every kind of dynamic shift you can imagine. Yes. And so, and that's just still a journey that will continue. I mean, yeah. it's just, it just is. That is so amazing. I mean, it's just every time you start to tell like, then, then this happened and this happened. It's just like, wow, how did all of these pieces just fall together? It is crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Absolutely. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. You're right. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Jen as much as I am. Um, Before we get back to our conversation, I just want to thank another sponsor for today's show. And that is Sacred Holidays. Sacred Holidays was founded by Becky Kaiser, and she started it because she was a young mom who was trying hard to make the holidays mean something. Anyone else feel that way? There were lots of options out there for kids, but there wasn't much for women. Uh, Becky believes that you can have all the whimsical feelings of Christmas and still connect with Christ right in the middle of all of the chaos. Thank you for that. This Advent, which is the days leading up to Christmas, Sacred Holidays has a study called He Is the Attributes of God, and they have it not just for women, but they have one for families, one for men, and one for teen girls as well. Every day will be a different attribute of God, but each study will focus on the same attribute each day, but have unique content allowing families, churches, and communities to do the study together. Uh, Yours truly, myself, is a contributor, as well as some of the past guests that we've had on here, Bailey Hurd, Kat Armstrong, Jen Sprinkle, Deborah Parker, plus about 95 other contributors that you're going to love. Guys, when you go to sacredholidays.com and go to the shop, you can use the code happy hour and get 10% off your order. Follow them on Instagram as well at, at sacredholidays. Again, that's sacredholidays.com. Use the code happy hour. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Jen. Okay, so adoption. You said you want to chat about adoption stigmas. Let's do this. Yeah, so, you know, I grew up and adoption was always a, a topic of celebration. It was like, joy, celebration, happiness, gratefulness, just, just smiles all the way around, you know, anytime, anything associated with adoption, that was how I grew up. And then I start again, kind of, you know, when I left home and getting outside of, of where I grew up and then I would notice people, I would say I was adopted and they would say, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> no, you don't have to be sorry. What? Yeah. Sorry, what are you talking? What? Yeah. Why would you even like that? Was so foreign to me. Uh-huh. So then, and then when I get into the whole world of you know just going all over the world and speaking about things and different stuff, I realize that there's such a a negative kind of connotation to to adoption in in a way of like 
you know, and, and then I see all these countries closing their borders mm-hmm. and not letting people adopt. And mm-hmm. it's just, I'm like, how is this, re- is this seriously real life? I mean, do, do people really not want their kids to be adopted and then they don't want to adopt people? And then, you know, also I want to, I want to have a kid or two naturally, but I also want to adopt. And then me looking, you know, for, for a partner, not a lot of people are on board with adoption. Really? It's kind of amazing. Well, I see this. Like, I don't know if you notice this. I notice it in movies. As being an adoptive mom, I notice these things a lot more. And I'm sure that you notice them as well as being um, someone who was adopted at birth. Is I notice that people will use adoption as like a way to be mean. Like, they'll make a joke in a movie like, oh, you're probably adopted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Or yes. I remember growing up, like, people would make a joke like, ooh, your parents haven't told you yet. You're adopted. Like, almost like there's this bad thing attached to it. So I know exactly what you're saying in that sense, as I see things like that, that people kind of use it as like, it's like the worst thing that could happen to you. Right. Which, you know, in like, for me, it's like, oh my gosh, it changed the course of my life yeah. for the uh-huh. better. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. people, people say, yeah, but Jen, you were left in the hospital. You were put up for adoption. You were born without legs. They didn't even give you a name. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand that's what God did. Like, that's how it had to be because that's what God used to, to be the biggest blessing mm-hmm. of my life Yeah. because it changed the course of the direction of my life Yeah. for the better. That's so true. We always, I always tell our kids this and one, our kids that have adopted internationally, one came home at four and a half and one came home at almost two. And then our domestic came home at birth. So we have those different dynamics of what what ages they were when they came home mm-hmm. um but i've always told my kids like um a lot of people had said will say like um with adoption a way to make their kid feel uh, more um loved and supported and wanted is that the parents will say that we chose you that much makes you so special um but i've yes. always told my kids like god chose you like god chose you for this family because i always say god puts families together like even the biological son that i had god did that like god put him in this family you know like my husband and I obviously had a part in that, but God designed that. God d- designed our family, and he always knew from the beginning of the time that Caden would be my biological son and that Amos would come home from Haiti and story from Haiti and Deacon, you know, like, I just, and I listened to your story, and I'm like, God had this perfect design for Jen's life, and it involved this. And like you said, it changed the direction of your whole entire life. Amen. Absolutely. I mean, that's such a beautiful way to to illustrate that, and so correct. I mean, that God totally puts families together. I mean, yeah. he, he is a purposeful God and nothing is without purpose and nothing is without for nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And totally, I mean, I see that so clearly in my life, but I know it's true for anyone else's life too. And I think, I think that's beautiful and absolutely even your biological son, of course. I mean, of, right. Of course. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So I saw a picture in your book of you when you were a child with prosthetic legs. Mm hmm. You didn't choose to keep those. No. Yeah. It just, they were, they slowed me down so much. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. (laughs) It was difficult. Like it was just like they were heavy, they were Uh big. And I just always learned everything. I I did everything with my body and that was easy. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the, that was the natural thing. And it was very unnatural using prosthetics and also a very big hindrance. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I used them for my, my two proms, my junior and senior oh. prom, so I could wear a nice long dress. Uh-huh. But other than that, I mean, geez, I haven't worn my prosthetics since I was 18. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just are doing life. You don't even, they're, they're more of a hindrance for you. Okay, Jen, I always ask my people what you're reading. So what are you reading these days? Yes. Yeah, so I started reading The Unhealthy Truth by Robin O'Brien, and I am such like Miss Chemical Free, all natural, clean living, clean eating, that kind of thing. And I uh-huh. spoke, um, I'm sponsored by a company called Garden of Life, and they went and had me speak to their sales reps. And one of the speakers was this woman, Robin O'Brien, and we had her books. And so it's just really interesting how she talks about, you know, how processed foods and what's in our food and what we're eating and allergies um, with children and things like that. So it's a really interesting book. And then I just, I haven't started it yet, but there's a book from my publishing company that um, I got in the mail called Home. And oh, it's, by Elise Fitzpatrick? Ex- yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Love well, her. She's been on the show and I, I literally, she's one of my favorite people to, um, that I've had on. She's so wise. Love her. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I'm so excited to start reading the book. I haven't read it yet, but I have a copy here as well. And so I am going to look forward to reading that as well. She has some great books on parenting. And in fact, if you're listening and you didn't listen to when she was on the show, um, go back and listen because man, it's some great parenting stuff. Uh, packed oh, in there. So awesome. I'll have to listen to that too. She's awesome. Um, okay. So the good, I just looked up the unhealthy truth and this looks like a book I'd want to read. Looks yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You it's, and she is awesome. The woman Robin is, is mm-hmm. really, um, really awesome. And it's just, I'm already, I mean, this is my kind of world anyway, the yeah. health and nutrition and mm-hmm. fitness. That's a, that's a huge interest of mine. So I, I can't wait to, to finish the book. You're diving in. Yeah. Okay. So also I like to ask my guests, what are three things that you're loving? Like you got to text your girlfriends and say, you have to know about this right now. Well, so I, again, bouncing off of this whole chemical free kind of thing, uh-huh. I've tried to eliminate chemicals in all of my products and the toughest area is makeup. And yes. so one of the most, my makeup artist, she does a lot of uh, movies and TV sets and stuff. And so she um, will hit up different companies that she loves and tells them, that you know she's going to be working on this movie or that, and they send her a lot of products, so mm-hmm. she gets to try a lot of different um, different products out. And she knows that I like the cleanest of clean in the makeup world. And so there's this company called It Cosmetics, and there it's actual. It's called skincare with pigment, so it's actually like good for your skin while it's still being makeup. And they sent me a huge gift box of like everything they own. All the brushes, all the makeup, all the lipsticks, all the like everything. And I am loving it. Well, that's all a fun it. box to get, first of all. Oh my gosh. Right? And I at least at least a thousand dollars worth of stuff. I couldn't I was like almost cried when I opened oh, that's it. So fun. And so it is it's like it doesn't have chemicals in it and parabens and all that kind of stuff. Is that it, what you're yeah, saying? It's is? Just, it's a much cleaner brand and it's actually supposed to be like good for your skin. And I noticed like I'll wear it all day and my skin feels good when I take it off versus feeling like a train wreck because I have really sensitive skin. Mm -hmm. So I really, really notice the difference and it it just makes me look so fresh and alive and I'm like, what the, I love this stuff. Holy cow. Man, whatever makes you look fresh and alive, I'm saying we're in with that. Right? Right. (laughs) Yes. So It Cosmetics, what else? It Cosmetics. And I love aloe. So, and when I say aloe, 
I don't mean like the stuff you buy in a bottle with mm-hmm. all the junk in it. I buy the actual big aloe leaves, the chunks of the the branches, like right. from and cut off the sides, cut it down the middle in half, and then harvest out the middle, the actual aloe. And so I put it on my skin either overnight or even during the day. It's unbelievable healing powers. Like, I mean, crazy. And also it's good to ingest. So pop it in the blender for a minute, add a bit of water and drink it at least once or twice a day. Oh, wow. Good for your intestines, good for um, just kind of healing anything on the inside as well or digestive issues. Where do you get this aloe tree branch thing? Um, anywhere you can get in Whole Foods or Sprouts, okay. different grocery stores. A lot of grocery stores have them and it's in the refrigerated area because it needs to be kept cold. Or you can just buy a little potted aloe plant and grow your own and then you always have your own. Yeah, you could. Now, everyone's yeah. listening. Don't get the bottle of aloe to put on your sunburn and start drinking it because that's yes. not what Jen's talking about. That is not what I'm saying. It's the <laughs> actual aloe, Ranch. the actual plant. Love it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so what else? So also, okay. I am a huge, and I say this jokingly, but I say if there's any anything that I would ever be a quote snob about, it's real cacao, like dark, real chocolate, not cocoa paste or soy liqueur, like real cacao beans uh-huh. and loose leaf green tea. Those are my obsessions all day, every day. I travel. I always have green tea with me. I typically always have. And I will comb through every single piece of every health food store to find a pure <laughs> dark chocolate thing with the first ingredients being cacao beans, not soy lectin or right. cocoa paste. And it is not an easy task. So when I find it, I am doing a dance and being real happy and excited like a crazy person out loud in public by myself Hilarious. when I find these these products in the store because it's like, oh my gosh, finally. And I'm like an 80% and above kind of person. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like a purist, I suppose. Right. But, and then I love the stone ground and the Mexican dark chocolate and it all makes such a difference. Oh, that, and, that, I yeah. could go for some of that right now is what I'm thinking. So, me too, actually. <laughs> That's like our little treat. And my husband buys like really good chocolate. Like he likes to look for chocolate like you do. And so a lot of times after the kids go to bed, he'll like come into the bedroom and be like, I have a surprise and it's a piece of chocolate and it's so good. Oh, that is the best surprise. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> good one. Uh, okay, Jen, this has been so much fun. I'm so much fun. I'm so glad that I got to have you on the happy hour. And your book, Everything is Possible, um, releases September 6th. Yes. So yes. I'll put a link up for everyone to get on the show notes. And so it's just your story, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and it has pictures in the middle. And any book with pictures, I love. So there's that yeah. as well. <laughs> I also agree with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm so glad to talk about adoption with you. And I learned what an aerialist is. I mean, this podcast was just full of education for me. Oh, thank you so much. It's so cool to to bond, especially over the adoption element. That is just, that's great. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Guys, I told you that you would love her story. I mean, wasn't it amazing? I knew what was going to happen and I probably gave away too much at the beginning. And so you knew as well. But wasn't that a great conversation and hearing about how her adoption and how her parents loved her? I love how her parents raised her to believe that she could do anything that any able person can do anything and she did anything um, and she does anything 
Um, also, the Dominique twist that was in there, I never saw that coming, even when we were talking on the um, interview. But I hope that you loved our show. Guys, today's show was edited by Logan Garza, and the music is by Jason Poe. Next week, my guest is Tara Lee Cobble. And if you're wanting to be inspired about getting into God's Word, then this show is going to be for you. Also, Tara Lee just had open heart surgery recently, and we recorded it before then. But if you go back on Instagram and follow her, you can see how she's doing and follow that journey. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you next week with Tara Lee Cobble.